follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? Doing good. I've uh, managed to shower enough times to get the the slime of last week off of me, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're all doing better with that behind us now. We're um, good. I was going to say, like, we, we finished last week's episode, and I was like, I need a shower. Like, I need, like, five showers. <clears throat> I actually had uh, a bad night's sleep that night, because I feel like my mind was racing too much from, like, the awfulness. <laughs> we didn't expect it to take quite the toll it did, but it sure took that toll. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was bad. And we didn't even, like, get the, we didn't even get the COVID outbreak until after last week's episode. Oh yeah, there was. There was completely. We other have. We have the best timing, just the best. So, this week we are going to be a little bit dadgum happier, uh, <laughs> and we're going to go ahead and get our shoutouts in. The first one goes to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, CollarAndElbowBrand dot com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four. It's capital C in corners. Capital P and Podcast. Save 10% off your order. They're actually dropping some new shirts now. They drop new shirts quarterly. I sent one to the guys. It was a uh, Coca-Cola Classic Collar and Elbow shirt that uh, I liked. I might end up getting me one of those. So um, check them out. Get some comfy clothes. That's been a that's been something that uh, I've been doing lately is, is the... Um, if it's like, hey, I, I took my wife to a uh, a drive-in movie concert uh, last last Saturday, and she's like, "Well, I guess you want to wear something comfy." And so I was like, "Hang on, just a second. And I went and got one of my collar and elbow shirts out of the uh, out of the drawer, and I'm like, "All right, I'm good to go." All right, and for our other shout out, I'm gonna throw it over to Matt. Yeah, that'd be to uh, Orlando Cologne. Um who was not embroiled in all the nastiness because Orlando Cologne respects women and would never be involved in any such unpleasantness. That's why we're fans, right? Mm-hmm. We'll say that, sure. <laughs> it, it sure doesn't hurt. It sure doesn't hurt. So, <clears throat> this week, we have... Uh, is this a first... For, uh, May it's probably a first. Um, I, I think we've done an unofficial request through like a message border that's mentioned one, and I've stolen it before. But this is like the first direct request we've gotten. Yeah, we we had a request from uh, from like 
some uh, like through, a family member through a but... Facebook page. Um, a, a the person's name is Nick. I'm not going to use the last name because I didn't ask them if they we could use their name. But Nick requested on Facebook that we do UK Rampage 1992, and we were happy to do it. So Rampage 1992. This is the European tour. Um, this is right after Wrestle, which WrestleMania? Eight. I can't remember. Which number. Right after WrestleMania eight. <coughs> so yeah, there's because... just like really right after, like yeah. days. I th- I, well, yeah, I think it was the first big show after after Mania, wasn't it? Yeah, because I think they used to do like you'd get like they would do like a slight break after Mania, like a week or two, and then they'd start picking up tours, like they're touring again. And I think this was. Like, probably the first thing they did after Mania. I know that um, Moxley, in his exit, he mentioned that they, the WWE tried to badger him into working the European tour, which he is always right after Mania, and it's always this big, drawn-out slog of a thing and, and that sort of stuff. But I don't know how far back the tradition, so to speak, goes, but... I think it picked up in 91 because what I think happened is the um, the houses were starting to go down in the United States and they figured out that England had a real appetite for it. And I'm, I'm thinking maybe they started showing on Sky Sports around like 90 or 91. Okay. And then they realized, oh, hey, we, we have this market that can kind of pick up where the United States is lagging. And I think for... Um, the United Kingdom, it was a novelty because World of Sport had just collapsed a couple years earlier, and it was a lot different from um, Matt's favorite wrestler, um, Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Yes. <laughs> and who did he wrestle? Saw... It was um, oh, Giant Ace was... Axe. Yeah. Like a, a Loch Ness. With him. Yeah. Yeah, he, I yes. saw it. Yeah. I saw Those a video where Giant Haystacks. He appeared very briefly in around like '95 in WCW as Loch Ness, part of the Legion of Doom. Yep. Yeah, I saw a video very briefly of uh, I think it was I think it was Haystacks was on a talk show in Great Britain, and you know full well that whenever I say that there was a wrestler on a talk show and I kind of start um, trying not to laugh, how it's going to go. Because the uh, <clears throat> the the uh, the host was apparently um, you know talking smack and and he's like, well, I could I could could you do a move to me? And he goes, and it's so weird because he's standing there and he's got like he's got the pants pulled way up and he's got a big coat and then he's got a tie, but it don't it it doesn't even come down past the end of his sternum, <clears throat> so he kind of looks like he's clowning on himself anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like, "Oh, you're gonna do a move to me?" And he, if you want me to, he goes, "Yeah, do a move to me. Come on, go for it." And he picks him up and just, just like sack of potatoes, not even full scoop slam, just picks him up and drops him on the floor. Just, I mean, just dead weight drops him. And um, I really shouldn't laugh as hard as I did, but I imagined that happening to Bill Maher after him having some WCW guys on his show and it just uh that just made me far happier than it should. Was that John Stossel that David Schultz smacked? Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that would then it was Richard Belzer that Hogan Hogan choked. choked. 
Because yeah. Belzer was giving him crap. <laughs> and uh, so Hogan's just like, Hogan put the front face lock on and Belzer's like, oh, is that the best you got? So Hogan tightened on it and Belzer passed out. <laughs> my my favorite one ever is David Letterman's reaction when when Lawler just smacks the shit out of Andy Kaufman on the show. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I loved his follow-up statement, too. I just love that story because Lawler's like, oh, yeah, they're never going to have me on again because Kaufman wanted him to do it, so he just swatted him. And Letterman's like, holy crap. And the follow-up to Letterman's follow-up to that was great because he's like, "Listen, there's lots of stuff we do on the show, but I just one thing that we just can't have people do is throw coffee. We just can't do." That. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. That was I remember that uh, the I'm from Hollywood beat documentary on um, Comedy Central when I was young, and I got a big kick out of it. I didn't know Jack about Andy Kaufman at the time, but I got a big kick out of watching that. But we're getting kind of beside the point. UK Rampage 1992 at the Sheffield Arena in, oddly enough, Sheffield, England. So um, let's see. It's you know we've all we've all watched it here, and um, I want to say know, first off, whatever they did to this footage, it looks fucking amazing. Like it, it this show looked. Like, when they were doing the interviews and stuff, like, just the quality of the footage was great. Yeah, I didn't know if they'd remastered it or if they were just using really good tape or what, but it it looked really good. What well, almost looked high def, because I was watching it, and I think I was at trying to ask you guys, because I wondered if, because they did this in the UK, they shot it on film and then restored it so it looks better, because some of the other stuff they've shot around this time doesn't look this good. Yeah, I'm not sure, but you're right. It does look good. Matt, were you getting ready to jump in with something? I thought I heard you for a second. No, um, I guess I didn't focus as much on the the actual quality, but it did look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the the first match on the card occasioned a bit of discussion between us <laughs> in our in our our group chat, going back and forth. So, Matt, could you give us a little? Um, I don't know, primer on your thoughts in regards to this, this opener. Hold on. Let me, uh, let me pull up my notes here. Uh, what was the opener? Oh, to talk. I was super confused why they gave this like 15 minutes. Right. I, they didn't do anything with it either. No, no, this was basically like, like I don't know, it's not like it wasn't like a raw match. This is like a. It was like a house show match. It was like yeah, that's it was best, like one of those ones. Um, it. It's like when you would see like in the late seventies, early eighties. It reminded me a lot of like an SD Jones versus Baron Mickles Saluna match, <laughs> like one of those matches where they just aren't out to like accomplish anything. I have to I have to say I admire how much you were working for names to come up with there. Oh no, no, if you if you've watched any if you've watched any amount of house show match house shows from the 70s and 80s, especially when 24/7 was on, you've seen that match in some form 8,000 times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, I, I swear they were on, like, a loop for five years. <laughs> yeah, you would get, like, uh, Jim Powers versus uh, Dominic DiNucci or something oh. like that. Yeah. And it would go, like, 20 minutes. And it's like, what? Why? Or you'd sometimes, like, if it was, like, a B show and you, or, like, a spot show, it would straight up be, like, two TV jobbers going to a 20-minute draw and you'd want to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, so there's some bad stuff on some of those, <clears throat> those house shows. Yeah, this I I made the same remark in uh, in my notes because I actually took paper notes this time. Usually I type my notes, but in doing this, <clears throat> um, this went a lot longer than I expected, and since um. <laughs> Since it didn't seem like a whole lot happened in this first match, I was making an observation. And I, uh, I wrote down, I said, this is two very, very American gimmicks. And Tatanka seems to be very over. But it's weird to me that for them to be in Great Britain and, and these two American gimmicks be very over. And Skinner's on offense and not doing anything. And why I'm... I'm. Can this please be done? Um, they did a very. There were a lot of very American-centric gimmicks on this show. I thought. Right. Okay. It, it, that I wasn't the only one that was kind of thrown by that, was I? No. Um, okay. The crowd seemed into it, though. So I mean, who's who's who are we to argue? Just say yeah. But, but what I was really struck by is um, Steve Kern is Skinner. That is a very bad gimmick for him. It was a terrible gimmick. Like he, not that I'm like the world's biggest Steve Kern fan, but he was a he was a pretty decent worker. And I don't know what this was. Clearly, I guess they just needed a jobber. But they had they basically had him. The Skinner gimmick was basically like Florida Man, the gimmick. Yeah, <laughs> he was like some sort of. I love of like, that description so much. He's like a gross uh, tobacco chewing. Uh, I guess gator wrestler. It's like know. Vince's is it, I think it has it strongly has to do with Vince's like obsession with hillbillies, I think. Yeah. I I was telling you guys like if I was to utilize Steve Kern like properly in in this like climate of the WWE, I would have honestly given him a viking helmet and made him like berserker too. I think mm. that would have been a much better utilization of his skill set. If you um, this is kind of going off topic, but do you, if do you guys recall, and maybe you don't, but I was very heavily into WCW at that uh, in the early nineties. Steve Kern, when he was done with the Skinner gimmick, he was he moved back to WCW, and he he had a very brief run as, in a tag team with Bobby Eaton as Bad Attitude. Do you guys recall that? I think I've seen one match of them. <clears throat> They're pretty good. I mean, it's it's tough to be in a bad tag team with Bobby Eaton. <laughs> it was was that like after because that one always intrigues me when it pops up on a show. Is that after um, Bobby Eaton and Chris Benoit were? Yeah, that was briefly? that was probably like ninety three. I think. I just. I just why he would like he was in a great tag team with Stan Lane in the eighties, um, 
great tag worker, and you're just using mm -hmm. him as a jobber. Why? They could have easily had him in a tag team with someone. Yeah, there's this match. They don't. He doesn't, and like he doesn't seem to do like m honestly much of anything. And he I was keeps it to a headlock. He does well, and and you mentioned earlier uh, the. Okay, I don't know if you guys saw this, but he did a couple of biting spots on Tatanka's forehead, and then whenever they would zoom in on Tatanka, I don't know if he really had a had a chew in or not, but he had like brown, Tatanka had like brown stains on his forehead. Yeah, and I'm just yeah. like I'm like, no, no, I I, I I believe someone get their ass kicked for something like that, <laughs> unless unless. You're Stan Hansen, in which case you say yes, sir, um, and, and <laughs> continue living. Or unless you, um, or unless you, you're it's Abdullah the butcher, and he's um, threatening you with a fork. I was gonna say, if it's Abdullah, then that then he would have a a big hunk of chaw on the end of a fork, and at the very least, he wouldn't be. If he was biting, he wouldn't be a result of him biting you. And that, and and with Abdullah, he'd also have a cardboard sign that says "Free Hepatitis C." Oh yeah, that's true. That's well, that's why it would be a little better if he wasn't biting you. Um, but that was that was my big standout in this match was two very American gimmicks are very over. Um, this oh, dude, and um, Tatanka's tights were went. awful. They were. I was trying to figure out what they. Like, were they... He must have been new, because usually he just had, like... He kind of had, like, this, like... Were they red and blue trunks, and then, like, knee pads and the, the boots? Like, not the full pants? Like, whatever they whatever he had here was awful. Yeah, he had, like, a, almost like a turquoise, uh, like, shorts, and then the boots and the knee, uh, knee pads. Yeah. <clears throat> this was, like, I think his original look. It, it, okay. it was just long, uh, the long tights, and then he would tra he transitioned into uh, the kind of more like historical garb. Yeah, that the other by. what he changed to is far better than this. I didn't like what he was wearing here. It yeah. was really like looking at it. I, the only thing I could think of was that it was supposed to be, it was supposed to look like some sort of like tribal text down the legs. But without any context, it it just it kind of looks like gibberish, and I guess that's just because I I don't have context for it. I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah. But it, it's yeah, it was really jarring. It was white tights with like some some red over the over the crotch, and then this writing down the sides. And I was like, um, don't know what I'm looking at here. Don't don't really like it. But that was that. Yeah, my takeaway on this match was was uh, you know um, we've got uh, we've got Tatanka and and we've got Skinner chewing tobacco and um, that's really about it. Yeah, I wouldn't have started the show with this. I would have done the Legion of Doom match as the kickoff match, and then I would have done this right before the main. I think. Is like the bathroom break match. There's a lot of stuff in the pacing of the show I like, but 
you guys know I ascribe to the old, um, you know, your, your second best match is the opener to get everybody excited. And this was did not fit that description. No, because like, um, do we just want to go into the next match? Because I can I can do my comparison of why that's a better match. Uh, yeah, I'm okay with that, Matt. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Fine. So, um, um, the, the second match of the card is the Legion of Doom versus Dino Bravo without the blonde hair and Colonel Mustafa, aka Shiki, still getting paid. Um. <laughs> who it, that I, that was such a weird pairing of Dino Bravo and and Sheik. Yeah, yeah. First off, Sheik. It, I mean, he was really like out of out of his prime at this point. Oh, he was way. He was like ten years past his prime at this point. Yeah, and he has like a huge beer gut. And I mean, he was already kind of slow, but he—he's just really slow in this. He can yeah. barely bump. Yeah. So uh, and one... Dino Bravo, this was actually like Dino Bravo's pretty much his last, the last days of his career because he, um, after he did this tour, I think he basically retired. He started smuggling those cigarettes, probably. Uh, I mean, you laugh, but he was basically he was dead about a year after this. Oh, I thought he lasted longer than this. No, he he, I mean, he was murdered in uh, I think ninety three. There's a if you, there's, if you there's guys... the, one of those darks. Oh, sorry, there was like one of those dark sides of the ring, but I haven't uh, watched that yet. Well, I mean, he was pretty much. Um, I get him and Chris Adams confused sometimes, but he was pretty much like the cigarette smuggling thing is true. Like he was pretty much gangland executed by the mob in Canada. Um, over that. Incidentally, politest mob ever. Okay, that joke died. Sorry. <laughs> um. So, so this is so I this match came up and I'm just like after that match I was like oh god like I this cannot possibly go good, and um <coughs> it was short and sweet and it was pretty much just the Road Warriors beating people up and I'm like oh that was an enjoyable couple of minutes because. They kept it short and sweet, and the Road Warriors did Road Warriors things. It was a grand total of, like, four and a half minutes as opposed to the 12 minutes that Tatanka and Skinner got. Yeah. Oh. I, I kind of, like, I'm going to slightly disagree here because usually, like, Road Warrior stuff is just that they, they just go and, like, they steamroll people. And there was, uh, there was some heat segments in this where... I think it was Hawk who was getting like the heat on him. That's yeah, you're right. You're and right. I personally WWE don't. Thing. Yeah, but I didn't like it. I mean, if you, if you want to do that with uh, the national disasters or some other tag team that you're actually going to push, not just this random tag team of two guys, like one who was already like out, out one foot out the door, and another one who's like barely mobile, who for some reason was still on the roster, even though. The whole Sergeant Slaughter um, sympathizer, gimmick. yeah, Iraq sympathizer storyline was already like almost a, a year old, uh, and I mean like a year done by that point. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't have had them like <laughs> you keep heat. the sheik on the roster. The the sheik keep bringing people in. Pay me in the gimmick, brother. I will <laughs> fuck you in the ass and make you humble. 
Campbell. We got you. Got to say it right. You got to get that that in the back of your throat. Going. <laughs> I well, see, like, but we. I was kind of talking about that with you guys as I was watching it. How WWE never got them right because if you go back to like the AWA or JCP or anywhere else they were in, like you. You would get the music, and literally five seconds later, they would be in the ring stomping someone, like, on the ground. Because they would just <laughs> charge into the ring, and then it would just be a an absolute maelstrom of devastation. Yeah, they're not... Uh... <laughs> There's you could you could do a lot of theories on that, but that was part of what made the Road Warriors like it wasn't just that it was the Road Warriors; it was that the Road Warriors showed up and they jacked people up. And no, not really here. Like so. I, I, because my wife knew them from the WWF, and I was talking about how, um, how sanitized and tame they were so we got on youtube and i was showing her videos of them like in the 80s and there was one match i think with the midnight express that she was just laughing during because it was literally 30 seconds into the match and i think animal was like on top of bobby eaton outside of the ring just punching him in the face and we were 30 seconds in But you got to give it to the Road Warriors. They didn't waste time. I it, well, they. I mean, but and in Iron Man is their music. I mean, it, they they were awesome for a while. Like you just knew, like when you heard that music, that that it was it was odd. Yeah, I mean, you can't have that gimmick go on forever because then no one can be a threat to them. But to to just totally like slam the brakes and neuter them like that is. It doesn't. It doesn't do any favors, and these are these are people you hired supposedly to make money, um, and now people are not seeing what it was they were paying to see. WWF just didn't work like that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like. The, I don't like the. <clears throat> I don't like the red. The red armor either, personally. Oh really. I like the black armor better from like WCW. The less plasticky, the more like there was something more dangerous about their '80s armor. You mean the fact that it looked like it was straight out of a Mad Max movie? Yes. It helps. The thing that that looks like they probably jumped like some peop- some extras in that movie and stole their shit before they came to the show. Yes. <laughs> Matt, did you have more thoughts on this you wanted to, to put in? No, it was over quickly. Uh, I, again, I just didn't like that the the heels got, in my opinion, too much offense. Again, if this was uh, if this was like against a, a dedicated heel tag team, uh, I, I think a, a back and forth would have been fine. But uh, as it was, I did not like that they got as much offense as they did, even though it's only like a four minute match. Right. I, I can agree with that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. All right, uh, next one on the card. I don't remember. There was an interview, like the LOD, uh, Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, whatever. They cut an interview right before this. That was that was a good interview. I mean, it's it's them doing their doing their shtick, and they know what they're doing. So that's good stuff. But then there was another interview 
that I can't remember which one of you saw it, but was not happy about this interview segment. Because I think it was longer than the the Legion of Doom match was. Oh no, this is that's after Savage. Okay, then then we won't talk about that then. The next I, match on the card. I will have words for that when we get to it though. <laughs> yeah, I think we all will. <clears throat> um, the next match on the card um, surprised me in seeing what we saw, and it was. Um, the Undertaker versus Sid Justice. Mm-hmm. Not you know, Psycho Sid, but Sid Justice. He did refer to himself as Psycho Sid, though. He, he did. did. Yeah. You know, it, it is a shame that he is so terrible in the ring because, man, Sid's got an aura. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Like, because that he... interview he gave before that, like, the content was so-so, but, man, his delivery, like, he... It's like, wow, he is a crazy person. Yeah, it's uh, it's a shame that he was always so squirrely because he, I mean, he had success, but people, but he arguably should have had more success than he did. Uh, I don't know. Oh, he, he absolutely should have had more success than he did. I mean, he got cheered for basically murdering Jose Lothario and. Madison Square Garden. <laughs> he he absolutely should have had more, but his self sabotaging behavior and softball addiction uh, didn't do him any favors. Oh, and some of the fights that he lost. But you mean the the squeegee fight? Yeah. <clears throat> um. And I guess he so at. Sid Justice was his gimmick when he came in to be the ref between Hogan Warrior and Slaughter and and Sheiky and and whoever else's name I can't remember. Uh, was that, was that Adnan? I don't remember. What yeah, his name I was. think so. It was Adnan LKC? But I don't remember what they called him in um, WWF. Well, oh, like yeah. Sheik was Sheik was Colonel Mustafa. Mm-hmm. God, now I'm gonna have to go look. Um. He wasn't Adnan. He might have just been like um, Adnan, and I think he might have been. He was General Adnan. Okay. There it is. Mm. All right. So, but we had Undertaker versus Sid. Not quite psycho. Still working his way towards that justice. Um, how long was this one? It it's was five. It was little... <laughs> yeah, it was short. Hey Shad, they should have yeah. brought in. They should have brought in. Oh, sorry, Brian meant to call it Brad. Um, <laughs> they should. They should have had. They should have had General Adnan come out as a, uh, as Billy White Wolf. Nice. That's a really bad callback. <laughs> if you if you know what I if you want the the reference, Shad, <laughs> he was he is actually part of a tag team with uh, with Chief J Strongbow. Okay, and of course it was two guys who playing Native Americans who weren't remotely Native American themselves. <laughs> one was yes. an Italian, one was a, an Iranian guy. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when I have to take a really bad one, I say I'm taking a giant Chief J Strongbow. <laughs> 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 I fuck I, I, you know, I I just found out. Do you, did you? Have you ever watched 1989 NWA and seen that stupid breakdancer Vincent Young? 
who sucks. I don't no. recall him, no. He's very short-lived. He's actually Chief J. Strongbow's kid. Ooh. I know I've unloaded on him before, but if there were a bottom five of wrestlers I just cannot stand, Chief J. Strongbow is He is there. aggressively terrible. Oh, he's awful. Brad, yeah. I was going to say... I think the only person that despises Jay Strongbow more than you is Honky Tonk Man. No, Savage. Savage hated him, too. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have to apologize. Uh, General Adnan was actually not Iranian. He was legit Iraqi. Oh. Uh, I just looked him up. <laughs> he should go <laughs> you should go on Wikipedia. Uh, uh, it is It's it, true. It is factually true. That not only did he go to high school with Saddam Hussein, there's a photo of him <laughs> with Saddam Hussein on Wikipedia. Just uh, I guess they, I guess they were buddies back in the day, you know, before uh, before the mass murder and dictatorship began. Okay, I'm, you know, um, it's um, it's worth saying if you haven't heard his story before. Iron Sheik's like gosh. defection to the United States from Iran is actually like super interesting. It's sad. I just found that picture, by the way, Matt. And it's... Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Okay. That's the mind bender for today. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh... Oh, the things you find. Yeah, no kidding. <clears throat> um, so, Undertaker versus Sid. We yes, keep... With... Um, we keep... with... With downtown Bruno, aka Bertha Faye's um, boyfriend, <laughs> and um, which actually I don't, I shouldn't even rip on her because she was actually a good worker, and they—that's another person they like screwed. Yeah, that's that's uh, one thing I was not. This was at a time in my life where um, I didn't exactly have. Uh, a lot of access to stuff, you know, mom was not a big, mom was not a fan of me being interested in it and that sort of stuff. But, um, in going back and looking, there are some people I look at and I'm like, wow, they were really not kind to this person. And that, like you said, that right there is one of them. There's a match, I think from like 81 or 82 with her as monster ripper versus bull Nakano. And it is awesome. It is just, Oh, like, really? A badass hoss fight. What what was her name when she worked somewhere else? She was Monster Ripper in Japan, and I think in WCW because she had a brief run there in like '99 and 2000. I think she was Monster Sing there. Wow, I, don't I think I would remember that. I don't she remember was, her there. Remember when they were briefly flirting with a women's division? She popped up on like some worldwides. No, I do not remember that at all. Like, I, I know that they were kind of like toying with the idea of a women's division, but I do not remember her at all. Um, I wow. They, I mean, there was all sorts of weird crap when they were doing that. Like, there was like a Molly Holly versus Sherry Martell match on, on there. and Wow, They so they were actually like, thinking about taking it seriously 
Oh, they they were doing it to show, showcase. Uh, she was Mona at the time, I think. Oh uh, yeah, that was the name because um, she was Queen Madness when Savage came back. Yeah, mm. yeah. There's a there's a shoot interview with Sherry Martell talking about wrestling her, and like just said like she was blown away because she went in the corner and like she did like a handspring elbow on her and she was like holy shit like I think I'm out of my depth here. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, I'll go look for that. <clears throat> Let's see. I'm I'm looking her up. We yep, we she, are. She lost to Medusa on Thunder in '99. She lost to Mona, and then beat <sighs> Mona on a Nitro, and then a Worldwide, and then she won on a Worldwide, and then Elizabeth beat her on an episode of Nitro, and this was from like June. She did. Uh, let's see. She did like eight appearances from November of '99 to May of 2000. I am. I would like to point out that I'm blown away that I have this memory hole, and two, that this Undertaker Sid match was so short that we've been talking about other stuff longer than that match went on. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a count out. Um, I have to say my my takeaway from this is Undertaker with the gray is better than Undertaker with the purple and I will fight anyone that says otherwise cuz I hate the purple. I would agree with that. Yeah, well, I'd absolutely agree with that. This was um it's an interesting match. It was not long. It was only about what 5 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh but it was like oddly back and forth. <laughs> and you had you had Taker trying to get a, a tombstone to Sid. Eventually, I think he does like after the count out. Yeah, um, it yeah, was that's... weird. It was it was very back and forth. It, they they <laughs> foreshadowing, I guess, WrestleMania thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> WrestleMania thirteen main event. That's I think that I are we are we in agreement that that's probably one of the worst WrestleMania main events of all time. Probably. Uh, I would put it. I would. I would rather watch that than the um, the four way from two thousand that Triple H won because I, I. I just hate that match. I, I don't like. If Mania is your big blow off show of the year, I don't like. I don't like the 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 last match of the night. I don't like the heel going over. That's like that bothers me on like a conceptual. Um, philosophical level yeah it bothered me at the time too but you know triple h got triple h Mm -hmm. (sighs) i I will say though because of the video like you could tell in the pre-match promos you could tell how heavily um they had the makeup caked on percy oh yeah oh yeah they did oh man so i mean the this like you said, this match is back and forth, but the the feel that I got out of it was really like, oh, we want to have these guys have a match, but we don't want to put one or the other over. Yep. Which means you should not have these guys have a match. <clears throat> uh, I'm, betting, I'm betting they were test running this for SummerSlam and then Sid, like, Sid, Sid it on them. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. We are using a whole lot of nouns as verbs in this episode. I mean, what else can you call it other than pulling a Sid? Cause, I mean, you, no, yep. you really can't. And and you're right. <clears throat> um, if you want to have your mind blown and see a crowd lose their mind, is his, like, ECW, like, first appearance? Oh, my God, I saw that live, and it was badass. And he just destroys people, because, um... The judge brought him out, right? Yeah, it was... Judge uh, Jeff Jones? Yeah, brought him out. Uh, he came out and he chewed out uh, John Cronus for doing a 450 on on Judge John Jones and pronounced him guilty as charged because that was the pay-per-view name. And he said, and, and you're punished, and you're sent, you are sentenced to something that and I can't even remember. I don't even know if he did like a, a turn on the name, like a psycho thing or not. But then all of a sudden, here comes Sid walking out, looking the most monstrous I've ever seen Sid look, and people lost their minds. I may or may not have been one of those people. Do you, uh, do you guys, just for a bit of <laughs> trivia before we hit the next match, do you guys know what Sid's like first gimmick in wrestling was? I think Matt might know. Was he Lord Humongous? Yes, he was Lord mm. Humongous. <clears throat> Not the original Lord Humongous. I think that was <laughs> Jeff Van Camp. <laughs> I love that it's like, no, no, no. Not the Lord Humongous you're thinking of. No, Lord Humongous was like a staple of like those of those Tennessee area like promotions for a good seven years. I mean, that's the... Um, the Road Warrior villain, so... I, man, that, that, I, I guess guys in that time period just watched that movie and then saw dollar signs in their head. Oh, I like Lawler, Jerry Lawler, when he booked, like you get stuff like, I have some of the images of the program. Like he'd put like a guy dressed as Spider-Man on the card. There was a, Arachna man. there, there was a dude. <laughs> There's a dude that wrestled in New York in the um, 60s that went by Batman, and he dressed up like the Adam West Batman and wrestled. And then the cease and desist rolled in. <laughs> oh, and th then there was, um, oh, what was his name? Because I think it's why, I think it's why Honky Talk Man and Jerry Lawler don't speak anymore, but he had, um... He had Honky Tonk Man as the kisser, which was, um, I think I've sent you a picture before and you were horrified. It's Honky Tonk Man, like, as one of the kiss guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I think he, like, wrestled the whole match this. with his tug out. Yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> call him kisser. <laughs> I wouldn't talk to my cousin for 30 years either after that. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, anyway, um, our next match, which we'll have more to say on this one. Um, Randy Savage defending the WWF title against Shawn Michaels. Um, so, my impression of this is I was actually impressed that Randy Savage could work the Randy Savage formula with someone that was smaller than him, and it still worked. This, uh, in my opinion, was the best match on the show. 
you blew me away. I, I, I literally, I think my mouth dropped was the, the finishing sequence where like Savage jumped over him, ran up to the other turnbuckle and hit him for the pin. Oh, with that, yeah, that crossbody. Yeah, but when like him doing that like leap over Michaels, I was like, holy crap! This was this was a lot of fun to watch. Um, I mean, I, I was sitting there, kind of, you know, I I'm, I sit in a slightly different seat on this, but I'm sitting there, kind of dissecting it, looking at it, and going, man, this is. I, I'll do my breakdown after after you guys talk a little bit because I've talked a lot for the moment but um, this was this was a lot of fun to watch yeah I was impressed because early singles run Michaels is a very um, can be very boring at times because if you don't know Shad like before Michaels really kind of found his groove his finishing move was a back suplex yes the teardrop suplex as i remember yeah <clears throat> um this was a i i really like this match a lot um and you you don't there there does just just doesn't exist a lot of uh savage michaels matches although uh, i think there was like a tag team match that uh, wasn't it was it like savage and heart versus i think flair and michaels that i think that i think that existed and occurred like later on in 92 uh, but this was a this was a really good match. Um, Savage actually gave him a lot uh, for a, a guy like Michaels was Michaels was up and coming up up and coming, and they were clearly pushing him. But he gave him a lot of offense. I, I was gonna say my takeaway from this is Savage was really being a company man here. Because mm. he really made Michaels look good and like a threat, and he even kind of put him over in an interview later in the show. Uh, he did, yeah. <clears throat> but there was a lot of... I liked what... But there was... This is something that um, WWF now really gets wrong. I like the... The way this intersected, like, three years of storylines. Um, kind of as, like, a send-off to our Mega Power series. I liked, like, the interplay of Miss... Miss Elizabeth, Sherry Martell, and Savage, like, I liked how they played off of, like, the previous storylines and actually treated their audience like they had a brain. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll go ahead and do mine uh, here. It was... The the first thing in this match that I noticed is both the guys had their bumping shoes on. Like, they, they were both bumping really well in this. And then... Over the course of the uh, the match, um, I really got a kick out of the fact that they put a lot of uh, a lot of I'm not going to say emphasis, but they put a lot into the differences in the offenses between the two guys. Because you know Savage's offense is he's he's moving very quickly and he's doing really flashy, cool stuff to see. And Michaels is doing this much slower, kind of more grounded, um, I guess you could call it basic offense, which isn't bad. It it works because in in the heat sections, you know, Michaels is doing, you know, he's doing, you know, 
you know, more headlocks and punches and, and, and more basic moves, but it's really, and it, it's really pissing people off exactly like you would want it to. <clears throat> and then Savage, you know, does a comeback and he's, he's doing cool stuff and, and, you know, he comes off the top rope to do an axe handle to the outside twice. And my knees cried each time he did it. But, it, you know, he's, he's doing this cool stuff, and it's it's engaging, and it's fun to see. And, you know, <clears throat> Randy Savage is doing Randy Savage things. <clears throat> and, um, I mean, they, they do the... Um, I know early on, um, Savage has Liz go to the back so that... Uh, because, like, Sherry targeted her, like you mentioned... And they didn't. They didn't come right out and say that it was because of uh, bad blood between the two of them or anything, because they had a little more subtlety about it. But, um, you know, so she goes to the back, and uh, it sets up for later because they have this ref bump, and the three of us were kind of going back and forth about it. But I really liked the ref bump in this because I thought that the way Savage did the ref bump make made it look like natural over the course of the match. <clears throat> like this was like Savage just missed and happened to hit the ref as opposed to some ref bumps you see where it's just like, oh, he's going to duck because now's the time to hit the ref and here comes the punch or something like that. <clears throat> yeah, I thought it looked very natural. And then that sets up for Liz's return later which just blew the lid off the place. It was, uh, you know, it was just an outstanding reaction that it got. And um, let me see, do I have any? She got the better of Martell twice, I think. Yeah, she did. They, they did it twice. The first time she just, I think she just, uh, like, she like Martell was leaning over the rope, so she just lifted her foot, and Martell tumbles in, and it like freaks her out because she's like, "Wait, that wasn't supposed to happen." And then the second time, she pulled Martell off the apron, I believe. Yeah, I think so. And and that opened things up for um, for Savage. Uh, also, there was a near fall that Savage had after the elbow, and I love that Savage's reaction. He didn't like yell at the ref or like hold up three fingers and he just sat there and he sat there and he looked annoyed he was just like crap that was supposed to win and now I've got to I've got to tangle with this guy for longer I just I loved that um I don't even know if it was a conscious thing but I liked that and um you know there were some post-match shenanigans and that's okay but in in doing this I came across the little nugget that this was the, I think this was Elizabeth's last appearance for the WWF. Really? I think so. And so that was, that was the end of the Liz era. Well, that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that. Um, cause they, they were divorced by this point. Oh, they so, were? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. But, I, I, I'm thinking about later in the year, and I guess she wasn't around. But um, it's really weird that he goes, 
that Savage essentially goes from being WWF champion to just being an announcer within like the course of eight months. Yeah, what was the angle that caused that? I can't remember. Oh, so, it's been forever. All right, fair enough. We ain't got to worry about it right now. Uh, <laughs> before we move on from this match, uh, first off, I was actually happy to hear Gorilla and Bobby again on commentary. Yeah. Kind of warmed my heart going back to uh, just like the classic pairing. But there was a really... Um, I forget exactly the move, but it was this move <laughs> where I think like Savage was trying to like hip toss Michaels or something, and Michaels did like a flip and did a re- something reversed it. It was like very acrobatic. Uh, and me describing it poorly doesn't help it, but it was a very acrobatic. About. He like yeah, it was a yeah, very I know. he like countered it, but it was a very acrobatic thing where there was you know some agility and some some twirling involved. And Bobby immediately goes in and goes, "Oh, I showed him that move earlier today." <laughs> oh, I remember that. Because I even, because you know it's a work, and I'm like, "Oh, you did that, you fucking liar." Yeah, and that's just kind of like it was something small and just a throwaway line in this match, but it just highlighted how great Bobby was. He was so quick you on know, his feet. Yeah, Eden was working a little blue on this show. They both were. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think Gorilla was touch. trying to get him under because he was talking about like picking up like hookers and stuff. <laughs> And Gorilla's kind of like, you're going to get us in trouble. <laughs> well, Gorilla didn't even, like, calm him down at one point. He even shot back. I, I don't remember exactly what it was. It happened too fast for me to write down, but... I think he was telling him he was too cheap to actually buy a hooker or something like that. <laughs> or that but they like, wouldn't be interested in working with him or something. But, like, you could almost, like, I think Gorilla tried, but you could tell at some points, especially with Heenan, they knew Vince wasn't going to see this, and they were being a little, they are being a little edgy with some of it. I think they were just having a ball is what was going on. Well, probably, I mean, and, and it's, and Heenan was probably, like, Gordy solely, like, levels of drunk to do this, so. <laughs> he was just so quick with a quip, I love it. He's probably like a four on the go- the Soli scale. <laughs> oh man, it, this was a really good match. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, uh, I was actually I I was doing some kind of like thinking back on this year after watching the show, and I was kind of wondering to myself if to this point in WWF history, if 1992 was the best entering year the promotion had ever had. Um, if that's the case, you certainly couldn't tell it from the next match, but I'm not going to talk no. about that yet. But but think about, so you had, you had the 92 Royal Rumble, which is Flair winning the title, still considered the best Royal Rumble. You had Piper and Hart at Mania. You had Savage and Flair at Mania. You have Hart and Bulldog. And that's just, um, that's just off the top of my head. Okay, it it was a really good year for like the early nineties. Ninety two was probably my favorite uh, in ring WWE WWF year. That makes sense. I would say it holds up until you get to like ninety seven. I would say ninety seven was probably their best in ring year. After that, hmm. 
That's an interesting thought. I'd need to ponder on on where I think on that. Because, I mean, obviously the answer is, like, I mean, some of the years now have been good, but, like, 2000 was a blow-away year for them. But 97 is kind of when Austin seems to be healthy for a while and hit his stride, and you get, like, you know, Hart still wrestling well. You have Austin doing well. You have guys like Shamrock around. You have that that awesome and underrated British Bulldog Owen Hart tag team. Didn't that, um, uh, 90, was it 96 or 97 that had the mind games match between Michaels and, uh, Foley? That was 96. No. Yeah, it was 96. I think. Okay. I couldn't remember what year it was. I really like that match. It just happens to be doomed by the booking of the time period in in not having an actual finish. But I just couldn't remember what year it was. Some of those that some of Foley's early stuff in WWF's really great. So after that match followed the thing that Brad was. mentioning earlier that he was unhappy about oh yes this made well okay well i get really unhappy with like the next 10 minutes of this show maybe 13 minutes. <laughs> so they kind of do like an intermission thing so the bushwhackers come out and like so the bushwhackers have to get to like where sean mooney is and i swear to god it took five minutes i think i think there were matches on this show shorter than the bushwhackers licking random people in the crowd. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure there was. Incidentally, in the current climate we have right now, seeing them just licking random people kind of made my skin crawl. Yes. I and, was just um, like, oh, oh, don't do that. And then um, their promo was just awful. Like, they were talking about sardines and something or other because it was Easter, I think. Okay, the other this was another case of that working blue thing you referenced earlier because they absolutely in the course of this did I know there was at least one bestiality joke that I caught. Oh yeah, talking about a pretty sheep or something. Yeah, I caught that too. <laughs> mm. Um Yeah, I did not expect that. I'm just kind of sitting here, I'm like, Oh, it's the bushwhackers, they're gonna be wacky and it's and it's like, you know the thing about sheep. You gotta get up early so before all the pretty ones are taken. And I went, wait, uh, did I just hear what I thought I heard? Yes, you did. Yeah. So needless to say, um, this segment was awful, and I hated every second of it, and I kept wondering when it was gonna end. <laughs> I can't even do my regular joke right now. <laughs> and usually like i don't even hate like when they do their little <laughs> interspersals like there was that one where they wanted to do a replay of something but the bushwhackers like ruined the tape and they were yelling at each other like that was that was a mania i think that one was funny but like this was just terrible like i don't know what they were going for but whatever they were going for was bad oh the other joke they had in this is that they were whacking all over the country and i'm like Come on, guys. That's that's a bit on the nose, isn't it? It's like um, it's like Hank Hill's character in Beavis and Butthead do America, where he's like, 
Those are the kids that have been whacking in my tool shed. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie since it came out. I... <laughs> Underrated performance in that movie is Robert Stack is like the head of the FBI. Okay, I'm gonna have to go like dig that up from somewhere. It, it's a it's it's truly if you think of that as like the end of the Beavis and Butthead mythology, like it's a it's a great movie. Apparently, the thing the biggest thing I remembered from that was apparently Roger Ebert loved it. It's a great movie. I. No, my favorite part is um, they're dying in the desert, and I think it's Butthead is like, <laughs> and it's like two vultures doing it, and they're literally like dying in the desert. <laughs> God. So, Sorry. what was the next thing on the on the card? Uh, it doesn't get any better because. Um, I this this actually is where I decided to take a break from the show after watching this match. But this was, the, so for as much as the first match like stupefied me, like I don't know what was going on with the Mountie versus Virgil because it, what, what was this? This was a bizarre it, match. Yeah, it was. They didn't even like really wrestle either. It went on. It it went on for quite some time. It was. Virgil was at this point basically a jobber. I did. And look, yet, he did win at Mania. He did win at Mania in that like weird like multi man. Hmm. But um, he I, I looked at what he was doing at the time. So what he was doing like on the House of Shir- Show Circuit was he beat he had like a program with Warlord that he won all the matches, and then the rest of his year was like wrestling Skinner and beating Skinner. And beating the Brooklyn Brawler, and then losing to anyone better than that. So, um, well, that's that's certainly something that happened, I guess. And then I I don't I don't remember because I've liked the other segments with the Mountie, but. Then you had this whole thing where he just was yelling over and over again that he's the Mountie because. I guess that um, I guess the people didn't know that or something. And then there was that whole thing like with Virgil's promo about how like shining shoes is like a hard day's work or something. And I this was like too. I thought the promo had good delivery, but the content I was kind of like, what? What are we? What are we doing here? Like I was, I was actually kind of impressed with the delivery on it, but uh, confused by the the content. Um, I did in the course of this. Yeah, well, when I watched this, I asked the other. I sent a message to the other guys. I said, "Hey guys, did you know that one of the guys in this match is the Mountie? Had you heard he was the Mountie? Because if you haven't, he'll tell you." That he's the Mountie. I, I, I didn't... It, did he do that all the time? No. Then... Cause, cause he like said it like yes, six times. Because, like, there's... um, It's actually hilarious. I think it's... A, if we do SummerSlam 92, which we're talking about doing, I think he has that match with Big Boss Man, 
where he has to go to prison afterwards and like he's just freaking out the whole time and it's hilarious but like then there's like the vignettes when he gets introduced like where he's just like writing people tickets for like doing dumb stuff and there's the one where like the woman is like terrified of his horse and he just doesn't care as he's writing her a ticket Like, I just don't remember him doing that because it, I actually like the Mountie gimmick, but I don't remember him doing this. They actually got a lot of uh, a lot of mileage out of Jacques Rougeau over the years. Yeah, because I think they go into, like, I think they come back in, like, 98 for a bit after their, like, their um, WCW run of, like, total for, like, their totally forgettable, like, 97 WCW run. I remember they were the amazing French Quebecers and had a really just awful, like, blue outfits that were just just dreadful to look at. Yep. And you would have thought that they would have done a little more with them in WCW just because, I mean, they were, like, former tag jams. But, you know, they had, WCW also had, like, 800 people on their roster so yeah well then like wwf brought him back after that run and then i think they made like three appearances and that was it this match just baffles the hell out of me um because they had the the whole like little kind of sub storyline going on with virgil's nose guard yeah and and that doesn't go anywhere and then he has to, like, it has that WWF trope that I just despise where Malty had to use the shock stick because he's a heel and that's, like, his heel gimmick. And he's cheating to beat a guy that he shouldn't have to cheat to, to beat. Right. Okay. On one hand, there are times when the heel cheats just because the heel enjoys it or because the heel wants to. And he's just like, you know... I could win this straight, but I'm a dick. So I'm going to do this just because I want to. And, and, you know, really good guys can, like, convey that in what they're in their work. But in this, Virgil was, like, beating the crap out of him. And he goes for the shock stick to get the win. And I was like, Why? It, it gave me flashbacks. I, I, I told the guys in the chat, I was like, this reminds me of me kind of having a conniption one night watching Chris Jericho have to cheat when he was the universe, the first undisputed champion having to cheat to beat Maven. And I was just like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, why? And someone who was not... Um, so we shall we say charitable about it. it's like well because it's wrestling it's all play I, I know that i've got that part okay thank you why does he need to cheat to beat maven of all people he goes well because it's pretty i said i know that you're missing my larger point and, and you know what makes this worse is within this calendar year the mountie had been the intercontinental champion I I did not know that. He's who Piper... So, because it sets up Mania 8. So, he beats Bret Hart when Bret Hart has a fever for the IC belt. And then Piper beats him at the Royal Rumble 
a short while later to win the belt off of him, which sets off the Hart Piper thing. Okay. And they did talk about that on commentary uh, during the Hart match. Yeah, so, so not only is he doing this to beat a guy that's just barely above jobber level, but he had been your secondary title holder for... I mean, it was it was a transitional reign, obviously, but it still meant something to be the IC champion at this time, right? And we and to borrow no biblical old biblical term, we were sore confused. Yeah, because that's that's about the best way I can describe it. So let's go on to something better. Was was the was the, was the heart? Martell match next yes yes it was so i i love um i love them talking about well so i'm not a huge fan of the model gimmick but i love that his perfume is called arrogance <laughs> and like i love what he used to wear he doesn't he didn't always do it but when he used to wear the button it said like yes i am a model always cracks me up the it, it, in watching this, okay, uh, and like I said, I didn't really start watching until you know we were in kind of the the Monday Night Wars era, and I was you know freshman in high school and that sort of stuff. So the first time I really saw Rick Martell, like I had seen pictures and had people tell me and stuff. But the first time I really saw him is whenever he showed up to challenge Booker T for the the TV title, and he just struck me as this. He was a really good babyface in that time period, and I guess they were having Booker do the the um, you know take on all comers kind of thing, um, and you know so he's a really good babyface. And then this starts up, and I'm sitting there going, "Man, this model gimmick's really good because this is a good looking guy who can really work, who's a, uh, seems to be a really nice guy." Like, he doesn't blame Booker for his career being ended. He says it's because the ring was too small. And so the model gimmick makes sense for that. I'm like, okay, that's that's cool. I like that. I can get behind it. And then ap- appreciate the gimmick for being really good at what it did. Sorry, I kind of rambled on to no, an okay. anticlimactic also, point. I think my, um, my favorite stuff from Martell is when he was the AWA world champion yeah i don't have a whole is that him losing that belt is that what started him using the boston crab uh, maybe because someone beat him with it and that's when he started using it as i remember the story but that's that's uh i suppose that that's really beside the point here here we get to have rick martell and bret hart have a good match yeah, I actually thought this was, um, they played off of each other really well, and and Martell was doing some flippy stuff. It was kind of weird. Um, I liked, I liked this match a lot. That this is probably, um, probably the second best match on the show. Uh, there was a good back and forth. The only thing I didn't really like was the weird finish. Yeah, why did they do that? Like, because as far as I know, this is really like 
this is really it for Martell, so why were you protecting him with like a fluky roll-up finish? Yeah. Did you oh. notice uh, that whenever they did the finish, everyone came running back down the aisles like they hadn't gotten back from the bathroom yet or something? Uh, well, uh, I guess I should say this is this wasn't the end for Martell. Uh, he did proceed to then get into like a little uh, a feud with Shawn Michaels. And I remember that because uh, I remember the match that they had at SummerSlam 92 because the whole the whole gimmick uh, with that particular match was that they weren't because, you know, Rick was the model and Shawn Michaels was a pretty boy and they were both kind of fighting over the uh, the affections of sensational Sherry. The The gimmick was that they could there could be no punching in the face because <laughs> they didn't want to. <laughs> They didn't want to mess up their beautiful faces. Uh, uh, you know, I have, I have a problem with that storyline because um, if 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 the story is about Sherry to be believed, I don't think that um, she would have been that offended if they both took a shot at it at the same time. <laughs> I think you said as a thing. It said I don't think if the stories are true, I don't think Sean could have handled Sherry. Oh no! It sounds like it sounds like it sounds like she uh, she. Uh, she liked having a good time and you know was a lot of woman to handle because I, I think um i think that was scorpio's interview where he said like she would tell people like like here's how it's gonna be like you're either gonna fuck me good or i'm gonna beat the shit out of you <laughs> I've only listened to a little bit of Scorpio's. Oh, Scorpio, Scorpio, his is hilarious. Like especially like when he does like the dick bag and stuff. Like he, I, he's hilarious. Yeah, the the little bits I've seen were were really funny, but I, I haven't done the the whole thing yet. I, I, you know which one I want to I want to watch all the way through. It's just it's gonna be intense because I think he might legitimately be insane. Is the Manny Fernandez one? Mm. Yeah, but even crazy Manny Fernandez, they were talking about tough guys, and they brought up uh, Ming, and he was just like, "Well, now you see the thing about him is um, you don't mess with him." Because <laughs> Fernandez, I, I saw a clip from that, and Fernandez talks a lot of trash in that section. Oh, he does. Is that because no, uh, I remember he? I remember he talks about how he was mad at Dusty or something. He went out there and he just like straight up knocked John Tatum out or something. <laughs> and he he even says like I like John Tatum and I apologize to him and then I just knocked him out to make a point. <laughs> Jeez. And I mean, this is obviously Danny <laughs> Fernandez saying it, so it's incomprehensible, and he's missing like all of his front teeth. Yeah. And um. Yeah, I would like to get. I would like to maybe set up a debate between him and Billy Jack Haynes just to see what happens. They might end up on Mars or something. Um, Or or witnessing murders. Yes. Yeah, column A, column B. Yeah. So, um, this was actually what I liked about this match too. Is it? Bret Hart can be a little formula at times, and this wasn't his formula. It was not exactly his formula, but it was a—it's what I call a very Bret match. 
because Brett had a thing about, you know, I'm I'm picking the body part and I'm just staying on it and I'm staying on it and I'm staying on it, which is fine. I mean, that's a good way to do business. Hell, I did that because it's easier to remember. You know, I don't have, I'm not having to be like, oh, yeah, we're in this, 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 this. And they're like, whoa, what are you going to do tonight? I'm like, I'll work the arm. And it's, it, at least for me, that was easier to remember. The, the downfall to that for me is that um, I don't, I'm, I'm not terrifically entertained by it. I, I admit, Brett's <laughs> excellent. He's not my cup of tea, precisely. But um, I, it's a very Brett hi- match on that. Brett, Brett, for me, depends highly on his opponent. I think that's f- fair. But what there's a moment in this match I really liked where he, he goes and he does like his kick to the midsection thing, which um he ends like, Oh, he's he's you know, he's held on too long, you know, he can't hook in that sharpshooter and then he just kicks him in the gut. He's I, I he stomps him in the gut and, yeah. and and monsoon went, Yeah, he's aware of brain. <laughs> oh I that that was good. Um like I said, I thought this was one of Martel's better performances because Martel's good, but you can tell like you can tell like post Strike Force that he sometimes a lot of the time he's just doing just enough, and it seemed like he actually came to work this time. Yeah, I really liked this. Um, I thought it was I thought it was good stuff, <clears throat> and and I also I got a big laugh out of just. They announced the winner, and you just see guys like they pulled back to the overhead shot, and you just see like this crowd of people sprinting up the aisles because they didn't expect the match to end yet. <laughs> so then, um, up next, uh, we have we have I think Hacksaw Jim Duggan like murdered a hooker, and then he was like flushing evidence <laughs> when Sean Mooney wanted to um, interview him because. Because it, it, this is a really weird interview. So it's like a oh, toilet flushing. Then he comes out. And he says he like he likes to work up a good sweat. But then he tells someone to keep it down back there. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on in this interview? <laughs> I don't know, but it was really funny because he's just all over the place. Yeah, I just <laughs> I I don't know what was going on there. So. We'll just move on to the match. So this is Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Repo Man, which, again, um, a very American-centric gimmick on here, even though the crowd was very happy to chant USA. Yeah, he got a, he got a USA chant going on, which uh, Gorilla actually pointed out. Yeah. It's he, weird. He, now, he got that started, uh, and I'm like, come on, Hacksaw, are you? It's working. It's working. How? I also like. I thought Heenan was really good here because Heenan actually did a good job of putting over how how tough Hacksaw is, and like would talk about his good qualities while also like digging at him at the same time. Like it was actually like a masterful announced job here. You know the backhanded compliment commentary. I love that. I, I love those. But 
There, so one thing I that struck me during this match, and I think I asked you guys, so like Repo Man comes off the ropes, and I think he's going, like I think he, I think Hacksaw is going for a clothesline, and you hear Repo just go, "Ah, oh, shit." <laughs> And I'm like, wow, they did not uh, bleep that. I'm no, surprised. <laughs> I just and started like laughing as, when that happened. It's plain as day. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> I enjoyed that a lot. It's. I don't know if it's if it's just like you said. Are the guys are they at, at the end of the tour and they just don't care anymore? Or are they sure that that like Vince isn't paying attention or what? But this is this has a lot of fun stuff to kind of spot for. It, it could be too that there it's the last day of the tour and like it, that's my favorite part of Mick Foley's first book is when they talk about the infamous bad Owen matches. I really I want to find those. Like if you I, if you have them. Let me see them because I I really want to see those, and I've never been able to hunt them down on my own. Was it what was it in the book like where he did he like smack Owen with a giant bag of popcorn or something? Yes, he did. And then they got it all in the ring, and Austin's like sitting in the corner like laughing because they're just doing it to pop Austin. Well, they they weren't. <laughs> They've been doing bad matches for fun because they were trying to get Austin to laugh. And then Melcher was in the audience that night, and they're like, well, let's just have a regular match. Because I guess that's that's the power that Melcher had over them. And then um, <laughs> and then Foley like went to Owen. He's like, I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. Let's do what we've been doing. And Owen's like, let's do it, yeah. He says, I have this idea. I want to hit you with a bag of popcorn. And Owen's like, just as long as it's not too big. <laughs> he pulled the giant one out there and Owen looks up and he says and his eyes grew like twice the size when he hit him with it and when he hit Owen with it he goes down and this, this is the part that I love is that Owen comes back up and knocks him down so he's, dude love is laying face down in the popcorn that's scattered all over the ring and starts moving his arms and legs and makes a popcorn angel in the middle of the ring Yes, that's it. And that's it. They they roll over and they look and Austin is laughing so hard he's head down on he's head down on the desk. He can't handle it. <clears throat> like he pulled his headset off because it would have been out of character for him to laugh. And they get to the back and Austin Austin can't make eye contact with him. He just goes, "You two are the shits." And they're they're so happy to hear that. They're like Dave Meltzer can suck it. That's better than any of his reviews could have been. <laughs> if you if you have those, I desperately want to see them because that just sounds amazing. I regret not doing more of that sort of stuff in my career. Oh man! So this was—I mean, this I, this match wasn't bad. I thought it was it was okay. Like if this was on TV back in the day, you wouldn't have been bad <coughs> about it. It's a basic power match. Yeah. Barry Darso's Barry Darso is doesn't always get the credit he deserves because I think people just remember his crappy gimmicks. Except for Mr. Hole in One, but that's Hole in One was awesome. 
the if if you don't um, if you didn't see it, go back and watch it in the post match shenanigans. Repo Man takes his rope and and hooks hacksaw with it, and he's like strangling him with it. Except hacksaw's cell on it is hilarious. He's he's just like mouth wide open, eyes all bugged out, like not even holding on to the rope. I, I it cracked me up. Yeah, I happened to I was getting gonna take a quick bathroom break, so I'd hit pause, and whenever it did, it was just hacksaw in the middle of my screen with his eyes all bugged out and his mouth wide open, just... <laughs> oh, God. Go, go see if you can find that, because it is it is worth the time to track down. And, and then after this, like, we had a Macho Man promo, and, oh, man, it, but you're, you're right, Matt, they must have been divorced at this point, because this was, like, the most awkward, like, Liz interaction ever. I honestly did not pay much attention to that promo. She to just be truthful. Th- I just kind of zoned out after the Duggan Repo Man match. She's she's um, sit, just standing off to the side, not saying anything. Yeah, saying a whole lot of nothing. A lot of nothing. They do pass the mic over to her. I know, they kind of pressed the point that she said some stuff, but it was obvious, like, she wanted to be anywhere but there. Yeah. So, we had that, and then and then we went into, I guess people were waiting for this match for some reason? Well, I mean, I mean, they obviously all came to pay their taxes. Right, right. <laughs> That's what they were, and again, it's another, like, Really American gimmick that's over huge. I guess. I guess just because everybody hates taxes, and who can blame them? I mean, I, 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 I unironically love the IRS gimmick. Like I love when he, um, or his best ones. I think when he took Razor's chain and the the headdress from Tatanka are my two favorites. Oh, the, the Tatanka one is like an all-time favorite for me. <laughs> <laughs> Did he steal the urn at one point? Or try to? That sounds about right. He probably tried to. I can imagine the promo that would have went with it is to say something to the effect of the Undertaker dying to try and get out of taxes. And then there's a there would be like a quote. It's like the 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 old quote says the only two things sure things are death and taxes. You can't use one to get out of the other or something like that. That would make sense. But I could totally. Um, see that. I I unironically love this gimmick. It really <laughs> is like it's terrible, but like it 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 it's terrible in a good way. It's the right kind of terrible. Yeah. <laughs> And and Mike Rotunda like really, he um he's so sincere in his play to this character too, which makes it even better. Mm. <clears throat> I will admit something: the IRS sneer that he uses, uh, I patterned my heel sneer off of the IRS sneer because I thought it was just such a good, just nasty, ugly face to make at somebody. 
um, that's that's what I I patterned mine after, and it it worked. People hated me even looking at them with it. Sorry if you're hearing that. Apparently, folks in my neighborhood are really excited about the fourth. I don't oh, know if it's been through the mic, but I you can't. But they've been from like seven to eleven daily. Because what happened here, I don't know about other states, but in Ohio, most of the towns canceled them, so fireworks are dirt cheap. They did not cancel them in where I live or where my parents live, but they're setting up in such a way, it's like, look, just, <laughs> they're going to set up, like, if you're going to be here, this is this is how you've got to, how you've got to do it, so... We'll see, I guess. But, um, yeah. And, and IRS comes out. And then everybody starts getting all excited for some reason. <clears throat> I, it, it feels like it's hard to put a finger on why, you know? It's, uh, it's like, gee, what's everyone so excited for? What's, everyone seems so, so excited. What's going on here? And then... This isn't fair because there was a, a British Bulldog promo earlier in the night. Which, I'm going to be real honest, didn't wow me. You know, for a hometown boy promo kind of thing, I don't, maybe it's just me, but it seemed kind of flat. Uh, I never really thought he was a great talker, per se. He, he had periods where he got better. Um, I, I don't think it was... Um, a mistake that when he was like a heel, he, he usually had like a manager or a mouthpiece. Yeah. Hey, I do remember one period where he was a heel, where he proclaimed that he was bizarre. And, uh, but that was in his last run. So mm -hmm. I guess we shouldn't really hold that one against him too much. This was a, did he, what match did he have a match at uh, WrestleMania eight? Uh, I'm sure he. I'm sure he did. I just I'm completely blanking on it. I don't know. I'll look it up for Bulldog or IRS. Well, Bulldog. Um, a scheduled match between the British Bulldog and the Berserker did not take place due to time constraints. Ah, oh, Berserker. Ugh. <laughs> right. Well, I'm sure Davey Boy would have gone over. Um, this was like oh. right before they were kind of testing the waters to give him like a big push. Yeah. Um, Brad may have the answer to this, but I don't know. But it, I mean, obviously, like after this, this was like building up to the Brett Davey Boy match at SummerSlam 92, which mm. was uh, a great match. I remember back at the time. I remember like. If we review it, I, I, I'll. I guess I can go deeper into this, but I remember like being shocked at the time that Dave Boy actually went over. Uh, I don't know why, but um, it seemed like they would have done a lot more with him. Mm-hmm. Because he was a. I mean, he was a pretty good baby face. Like he was. He was a. He was big. He he wasn't the best talker in the world, but he had charisma. People obviously like got behind him. Um, like to I'm, see him do strong guy stuff. Yeah, I mean, he was clearly like a good power wrestler. Uh, mm -hmm. And 
I mean, he left. He left. He was gone. He was gone from WWE, like, basically at, like, the end of 92. Yeah. Um, well, he had to go over to WCW so he could be part of the Shockmaster gimmick. <laughs> I think I think it was, like, it was drugs, right? Drugs <clears throat> or steroids? Probably. I think um, it's why he got that that all basically ended because i mean that was that was the era when you had the whole trial yeah that's true um i didn't think about that it's i i don't know i i I no need left but it was there's a certain amount of in that time period i don't really track because it's just too much for me to keep up with (laughs) but um yeah, it, I remember when he came back to when he came to WCW in '93. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember he they immediately like put him in a feud with like Vader, right? And he didn't win the title, and I was actually like really disappointed at that because I felt like that's what they were building towards, and he would have been he would have been they could have believably put him over Vader. Oh yeah, um, and Vader would have still been strong, but. Obviously, sure. that's not the direction they went. Well, uh, even if they didn't put him over Vader, the fact that he stayed over and relevant on a main event level after that is, you know, that says something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's my favorite spot part of the Shockmaster debut in WCW because <laughs> you can just hear him going, ha ha, he fell on his ass on TV. He, it, Brad, he's British. It's ours. Arse, sorry, that's my favorite part. Is just hit him laughing. You can just hear him baying like a wolf and or like a dog in the background. Then how he's laughing. I actually felt like he was highly underutilized in WCW, and he was a huge whiff on their part. And I don't understand how they did that. I don't know. They kind of whiffed on him twice, honestly. When you think about it. Well, Matt and I were just talking about the, um, you know, his his initial program with Vader, uh, where they did not put him over Vader. But what was the the second one that you were thinking of? Oh no! When he came back in '98, they kind of whiffed on him there too because they just oh, kept him tag. Not only did they, yeah, yeah. they just oh, kept him teaming with Nightheart. Yeah, not only did they whiff on him, they whiffed on him like huge. Like they, he wasn't even like a like a mid card guy. No, no, they he just wasn't. would have randomly have him in tag matches, that, and they weren't even they, tag matches where they're like uh, where they're, they're pursuing for the tag titles. The, yeah. the the biggest thing they did with them is they had that like mini feud with like I think Chono and Tenzan for the IWGP tag titles. Hmm. I don't they, remember. They also had, and it felt like a placeholder feud, but it was between um, British Bulldog and Alex Wright and maybe Fit Finley about who the best European wrestler was. I don't even remember that. For some reason, it's lodged in my brain. But, yeah, they, but, you know, that, that felt just like such a placeholder that, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it was that was obviously just a we're not doing anything with these guys. What do they have in common? Oh, they're all European. Yeah. Have them fight about being European then. 
I got a kick out of when I got a kick out of this match. I thought the finishing sequence was fun, where IRS goes to like do like the the go over in the corner and and Bulldog catches him and Jimmy Hart like tries to save him and then the ref like sacrifices himself to get Hart off of um, IRS. Yes, I loved that ending sequence. I loved that. That was awesome. <clears throat> By the way, we saw IRS break out a really good enziguri in this match. Oh, he did. I did not expect to see that. I also liked um I also liked Davy Boy using the tie against him. Yeah, you can't you can't have something like that in a gimmick and not make use of it. That's just and I, criminal. And Gorilla played it up really good cuz Gorilla's like, "Well, yeah, like use it. He's wearing it." It's his fault. And I'm sure, I, I don't remember, but I'm sure Heenan lost his mind over it. Probably. But that's so what okay. You, what did you guys, what did you guys think of, of this show overall? Uh, it's kind of like a, a throwaway show. I mean, I if, if I had to recommend things, I actually would tell people to to watch this show for Savage Michaels, yeah, just because too. that's a that was a, a really good. If if you had to actually give this stars, how many stars would you give it? To Savage Michaels, mm-hmm. I would say depending on my mood, I would go three and a half or three and three quarters. I was thinking three and three quarters myself. See, maybe I'm just generous. Actually, I would edge it up to maybe like four stars. I actually really like the match a lot. I would I wouldn't hate on four stars. No, I, I'm I would usually a little. It. I'm usually a little stingy. Mm. Um, it had it had a lot going for it. I would actually recommend this show to someone and say this is probably this is because it's it's essentially it's essentially a a chunked up house show. So I would recommend mm-hmm. this to someone to say, this is kind of what a house show would look like in this time period because you get some good matches, but you don't have to deal with the bad that a lot of their like MSG shows can be. I, I would like generally s- go ahead, Matt. Go ahead, Brad. Generally, the work's a little better. You don't have to deal with like just some of the absolute stinkers you get on on like their house show stuff that's out there if i was going to recommend someone to watch it then i would i would give them a breakdown and be like look fast forward through the opener <laughs> um, yeah it let me flip back real quick and be like fast forward through the opener uh and then you're fine for quite a while um skip virgil and mountie if you want to be confused watch virgil and mountie yeah. Um, cause. Y- oh, I had a note here. I forgot to say something. Um, while they were in Europe, Virgil went to Italy, but he was mad because he couldn't find any Olive Garden. <laughs> I was trying to work at Olive Garden, joke in, but I just I forgot. I I I had it written here, and I can't believe that I I I let that go by without getting that. In. I, I had to come back for it. I, I there's one thing I will say in defense of this show though because if you watch any WWE like pay per view or big show from like 
the start of like Hogan's run to 94, 95. If you watch any of the shows, you're going to run into stuff like you did on this show where something will be really good and then something will really just suck and like suck the life out of you. Yeah. Um, there's a lot on this show that I like. Like, this is a very peaks and valleys show as far as I'm concerned. There's a lot of stuff that I like, and there's a lot of stuff I really don't like. Mm-hmm. So, um... The promo's really bad. I, I would tell someone to skip the promos. The promos aren't good. I think you could keep the, uh, the Road Warriors promo and be fine. Yeah, probably. But... I would say, though, the good is... The good is better... The good is... The good is good at being good more so than the bad is really bad so i would say the peaks are better than the valleys so the good does outweigh the bad um yeah i would agree with that 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 would make hits nothing hits uwf because that's like my baseline for everything (laughs) since we've watched that show is is this as bad as the uwf and the answer is no it's look, not bad, as bad as Brad. Look, uh, earlier today, I I went not to be too vulgar, but I went and had a bowel movement that wasn't as bad as the UWF was. So, it, it that that you're setting a low bar, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm setting a low bar. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Matt, did you have any other parting thoughts you wanted to? I, I don't know that I would recommend the entire show, but uh, definitely again the Savage Michaels match. Um, I like the Bret Hart Rick Martel match, and I like the David Boy IRS match. Like I, th- I would tell people to kind of to track down those three. Um, I I can I guess I can see recommending the show just to give uh, kind of like a flavor of what early '90s WWF looked like because it is kind of very much a a product of the times uh, with some of the gimmicks that they have on here. But it was a, it was an inoffensive show. Like there, I didn't really like dislike it at all. And and again, three of the three of the eight matches were actually really good. And the definitely like the Sid Justice Undertaker match was also kind of like interesting. It wasn't good per se, but it was interesting. So <laughs> that's like half half the show, half the match <laughs> on the show of being at least like either a curiosity or good. So I guess that's a thumbs yeah. up. Yeah, that's fair. I agree with that. All right. Well, you said it was Nick, right, Brad? Yeah, Nick. Rick, Nick uh, requested this one, and we have delivered. So, Nick, we hope you enjoyed our <laughs> meandering path through Rampage '92. Um, yes, we did. And thank you for not recommending something that made me want to jab my eyes out. Yeah, it's that's that's always the risk whenever you go into getting requests as bad things could happen because i because i'm gonna we're gonna watch it at some point and we're gonna hate ourselves but heroes of wrestling probably will come across this podcast at some point oh god uh, i mean we have to do it have to know. is such a strong <laughs> yeah, word I don't, I don't know if we have to but <laughs> i mean we can I mean, theoretically theoretically we don't have to do it anytime soon. I'll tell you guys what. That'll be the 500th episode special. Let's give ourselves a long ass time. 
<laughs> we're going to get closer and closer to 500, and we're going to be like, God, you know, we could just quit. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, one of us might be dead by that point. So. That, that'll be like 10 years down the road or yeah, eight years, I think. That's, yeah. That's, you know what? Okay, fine. I'm I'm game with that kind of time frame, then. I'm okay. We'll, we'll put it for 500. <laughs> I, I will do it for 500 because I'm going to look at the Grim Reaper and I'm going to say, go ahead, like, do it. Like, I dare you. <laughs> Try me. You'll be doing me a favor. Yeah. And he's going to look at you and go, why? It's like, we were going to review Heroes of Wrestling. He's going to go, no. No. I'm not going to spare you that. And you're going to be like, no! I We should do we should do a double special for the 500th. We should... We should review Heroes of Wrestling and then do it as a double feature with Manos, the Hands of Fate. You're giving me heartburn just talking about this. <laughs> or the right. Creeping Terror, that one's pretty bad, too. Well, hey, everybody, thank you for tuning in to our review of... United Kingdom Rampage 92. Please let us know what you thought. Hit us up on your social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And um, uh, if you have a, a request to throw our way, you know, be gentle. Uh, but we'd love yeah, to... And if, if you do request one, just before we go off the air... Um, there will be a turnaround time depending on how our recordings work because we, we don't record weekly all the time. Um, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. So if you do request one, I would say give us, I mean, sometimes like this, we might turn it around in a couple weeks, but sometimes it might take a month just depending on our scheduling and, um, what our time capacity is. Cause sometimes we just don't have the time to. Yeah. watch stuff or we might have some guests lined up or something like that so yeah that's that's something that we're looking forward to here soon is uh hopefully having some guests on tap that'll be a lot of fun but <clears throat> this is shad here with matt and brad we've been in three quarters you're in the fourth and we will see you next time <laughs>